It is our privilege today to have as a guest speaker Dr. David Kennedy. If you had an opportunity to read his bio in the worship folder, you will know that he received a, a graduate or a degree, a baccalaureate degree from University of Texas, Master of Theology degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's done other educational work beyond that, has pastored in Oklahoma and Illinois for 32 years was an Old Testament professor at the Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, Cornerstone University, and just retired in 2012, but also had a 33-year distinguished career in the armed forces as a chaplain, serving at the Pentagon and serving in other places as well, and was ultimately promoted to the rank of colonel in 1992. So I don't think we've had too many colonels speak here at South Church. Let's give a warm welcome to Colonel Kennedy. Thank you, sir. Do it again. <laughs> so if you're expecting really to be impressed now, you may be disappointed today. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes you can have too much of a, much of a buildup, but it's a real delight for me to be here. Uh, when I came to the seminary, seminary in 1980, uh, one of our favorite uh, chapel speakers was Pastor Howard Sugden, and uh, I can't imitate Howard today. Uh, I think only he could speak like him, but uh, he was a favorite, I think, of uh, both faculty and also students as we uh, would meet together and as he would get a chance to uh, interact with us and interact with students. And I've appreciated the ministry of South Church through the years. It's been a real pleasure as well to get to know Pastor Don Dennis, uh, who has been teaching some homiletics for us for a number of years, as well as serving on the board of Cornerstone. And I look forward to serving now on a new committee with Don uh, that has to do with overseeing uh, the Asia Seminary that Cornerstone, that Cornerstone has. Uh, one of the real delights and privileges that I've had in life, uh, in addition to uh, my wife and family, uh, is uh, being able to both teach people who are preparing for ministry and also to be involved in that ministry myself. And it looks like the technology people are still trying to figure out what to do. There we go. Uh, with the PowerPoint slides. There you go. You, you, this is a graphic I took from someplace on the Internet. You know, not, not original with me. And we'll see if we can get this uh, going again. So there you see me in a class persecuting students, uh, hopefully instructing students, Do a little persecution involved at times as well. Uh, but also one of the very delightful things is having an opportunity to minister, uh, in my case, in the Army Reserve to soldiers and also to their, uh, to their families. Uh, it was a great privilege to serve at the end of my career uh, on the Joint Staff in Washington at the Pentagon. But I have to say that probably the most enjoyable experiences that I've had in my, in my life is being out in the field with soldiers. Uh, and I would teach in the seminary all week long, and then uh, when I was uh, teaching at the seminary, uh, would have a chance to go and spend a weekend out in some sand pile someplace uh, that the Army and its infinite wisdom had acquired, uh, and there we would have services and counseling and get a chance to get uh, much closer to, uh, to young men and women. Uh, appreciated that, uh, that opportunity greatly. Recently, uh, after retiring from the military, uh, the seminary learned that I had a little bit more control of my schedule, and so they invited me to uh, do some teaching in Asia. Again, Cornerstone has a seminary in Asia, Asia Biblical Theological Seminary. And so for the last uh, nine years, 
I've taught uh, 11 times in Asia. Uh, most recent time, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, just got back from teaching in Manila, the Philippines, uh, where you can see in the top right uh, a, a nice group of young people with a motley professor in the middle of them. Uh, and these are pastors, assistant pastors, uh, Christian workers, Christian teachers, uh, members of churches preparing for ministry. Uh, and uh, over 30 years, uh, we've had uh, several hundred graduates of this program. Uh, we have a couple hundred in currently enrolled in all of the various countries uh, that I showed you a moment ago. And that has been a real delight to connect with students uh, who are in ministry and who are preparing to further carry on the work of God in places around the world where it's uh, very hard uh, for others to reach. A few years ago when my wife and I were in the Philippines where I was teaching another class, uh, we took some time and had a chance to do some sightseeing. And for me, a very moving experience was going to the uh, Manila American Cemetery in Manila, Philippines. There in that cemetery, which is amazingly well kept up, is the largest number, are the largest number of Americans uh, who died during World War II. Over 17,000 are buried there in Manila, as well as many other Filipinos uh, and others as well. On Corregidor Island, uh, the picture on the right is a picture of, uh, that was erected by the uh, Philippine government uh, as a way of saying thank you to America, uh, called Brothers in Arms. And it pictures an American GI with his arm around a Filipino soldier, helping him uh, wounded to continue on. And it's a way of saying thank you for coming to our aid and coming to help us, for we needed your help at that time. In a lot of ways, Memorial Day is about remembering. It's about honoring. It's about reaching out to help one another and to, be, and to experience gratitude for those who have reached out through the years also to help, to help others. As we uh, get ready for Memorial Day, I would just like to focus on three ideas with you this morning. The first is that of honor, for we do want to honor those for whom we, their, their, their life and their sacrifice has resulted in uh, our own liberty. For as we sang a moment ago, freedom is not free. It did come at a tremendous cost. But also the idea of love, because this is something that uh, people have reached out to do out of love, out of gratitude, sometimes out of force, the, the draft, but out of love to help others in a military unit where there are incoming rounds and your people on one side or the other are being injured, the first thought really is, how do I help my buddies? How do I help those who are a part of this military family? Even more than love of country or anything else is the commitment that is shown to one another. And we honor that as well, as well as the courage that it takes sometimes to show love. Now, editorial cartoonists have a, have a great, uh, great time with Memorial Day, reminding us that it is time to remember, reminding us about those who have given their lives and encouraging us to pay proper honor uh, to them. But also Memorial Day, as you probably know, dates back to the time of the Civil War. And after the Civil War, as communities all throughout the North and the South had cemeteries newly dug from their mostly young men, some young women, who went off to war and were killed, 
people from the communities would go and would clean off the tombstones, would clean out the cemetery, and then would put flowers and flags on the headstones. That was going on to make sure that these tombs were properly decorated. And that term, Decoration Day, uh, became the term to describe this. To me, one of the amazing things is it was very common in communities all around the country for people of a community not only to decorate the tombstones of their own young people from that community, but also to realize that there might be another uh, cemetery down the road where the enemies are buried, and to reach out and also try to clean those off, remembering that those who are buried there also have mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers who might be unable to come and to do that for themselves. What an act, what an act of love. It was in 1868 that Major General John Logan issued his uh, order as the commander of the Grand Army of the Republic, designating May 30th as Decoration Day. I love his words. For the purpose of strewing with flowers uh, and or otherwise decorating the graves of comrades who died in the defense of their country during the late rebellion. You can understand that this was 1868 strewing with flowers. So I hope strewing with flowers is on your agenda tomorrow, or maybe a more modern day uh, equivalent to that would be putting flags in, uh, in honoring the graves in that way. It was a privilege of mine this week, as we've done now for many years, to be involved with a couple of thousand Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts in Grand Rapids, uh, there to plant flags at the cemetery of our veterans' home, where several thousand veterans are, are buried. Uh, and as you travel throughout Lansing and throughout uh, this country, you see cemeteries all over that have been uh, cared for in, simil in similar ways. In uh, 1871, Michigan made Decoration Day a state holiday. By 1890, every other northern state had done the same thing. Uh, and finally, after World War II, Memorial Day, as it became called, uh, as other wars event eventually came and other deaths, unfortunately, resulted, uh, became uh, uh, a very important uh, national, national holiday. Some basic facts for you. Throughout our nation's history, over 42 million Americans have gone to war to defend our nation. Of that number, 42 million, 1.1 million have not returned. And today they are buried in cemeteries throughout the United States, around the world, as you saw from uh, Manila, and also it includes many who were serving on ships and who are buried so-called in watery graves. It also means that there's uh, 100,000 who never returned and whose remains have never been identified. And as you see, the POWMIA flags fly uh, at this time and other times. It's a reminder that not every American remain uh, has come back. Tomorrow, Memorial Day, there are two parts to the day and two different kinds of observances, and you probably know this very well. In the morning, you see flags flying at half-staff, uh, there to honor those who have given their lives. And then at noon, uh, cemeteries will raise the flags to full staff. And it's not that they're being disrespectful or that somehow the holiday is becoming short, but it's a reminder to all of us that Memorial Day consists of two parts. One is the part of looking back to honor those who have given their lives. But the other part is moving forward from that, 
to also reaffirm in our own lives that we should not let their sacrifice be in vain, but that we should also be recommitted to the values for which they gave their lives. So that at Memorial Day, there are these two aspects. There is the looking back to honor those who are gone, but there also is the moving forward to resolve that we will incorporate in our lives the qualities of love and courage that we should do anyway as Americans. Now, as Christians, that shouldn't come as too much of a surprise to us, for it seems to me that the Christian life is lived with exactly those two dimensions in it. We look back to the sacrifice of our Lord. We look back to Christ's love and the gift of salvation that we have through him. But also the Christian life is more than just looking back. It's also moving forward. Moving forward to become Jesus' disciples, to seek to, re, to a disciple others, to seek to live out the values of love and honor and of courage that he also communicates to us. So as we live as Christians, it seems to me that a natural part of our life is the looking back and then the moving forward. And so tomorrow we do that, not only from the standpoint of the Christian life, but we also do that from the standpoint of our American citizenship. In a couple of weeks, you'll be celebrating the Lord's table, communion. And this is very much the idea of the communion service. As our Lord said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Communion is a looking back, but it's not just a time somberly to think about Christ's death and burial and resurrection. It also is a time to renew our own commitments, to say to the Lord, Lord, you remember that time when I committed my life to you? That time when I received Christ as my personal Savior? That still works today. I'm still there today, and I still want to honor you and to serve you today. It is a time of recommitting ourselves and of making sure that that continues to be a part of our lives. Do this in remembrance of me. Sometimes we have a, a problem with the word remember. Maybe, you know, you had uh, one of your children or somebody say to you, did you remember my birthday? I know that's the case. We've heard that a time or two in our lives. You, uh, you understand immediately that the question is not just saying, do you have my birth date somewhere on your calendar so you haven't forgotten when it is? The real intention, of course, as we all know, is did you get me anything? I don't see any presents around. Did you remember my birthday? Or did you remember Christmas or other things like that? Now, in my advancing age, I do get this exhortation now and then. Remember your medicine. And uh, if I were to give a wisecrack answer, which I'm capable of doing, my wife can testify, and if I were to say, yes, I remember, it's right in the cupboard where, where I put it last, uh, you would see, if I did that very often, you'd see more black and blue marks and bruises here, uh, for that would not be the kind of response that uh, she or others would be wanting. It's, well, did you take it? Did you do something about that? In a similar way, if you don't see too many bruises here, it is a testimony of the fact that my wife and I uh, will celebrate 48 years of marriage in a few months. And so uh, whenever this question comes up, I have also learned through the years not to give my usual wisecrack answer and say, well, yes, it's this and such a date. I remember when that is. 
Of course, the proper answer here is to get flowers, to get gifts, to make plans, special evening, do all of those kinds of things. So if you've never tried that yet in your life, and I see that there's not too many black and blue marks around, so I think somehow you've you know, figured this out through the years, I hope without too much pain or agony, you understand that when we talk about remembering things, we talk not just about thinking about them, but taking action. Do this in remembrance of me, our Lord said. Not just sit and think about Christ hanging on a cross, but how are we going to live? How does that impact our lives? What are we to do as a result of that? So how are you going to remember Memorial Day? And my purpose here today is not to disrupt your plans. I think it's perfectly permissible for Memorial Day to include grilling. Our plans for Memorial Day include that as well. But I hope that as you remember Memorial Day, you'll not only think about the day, but you'll also think about how you live and act as an American. Now, human nature is a very complicated thing. We're reminded again of the horrible uh, killings in California just in the last day or so, where we are everywhere remembering the selfishness that we're capable of as people and that we see around us, the greed uh, that, that is there as well. And yet at the same time, another aspect of our nature as human beings is the willingness to put others before ourselves. Think about the dedication of the 9-11 Museum and Memorial just uh, this last week or so, and the thousands of stories of sacrifice, especially touching to me, are the stories where someone was so focused on helping others, they got out to safety, but the person didn't make it. And now they lost their lives in that horrible tragedy. That's also a part of human nature. I've often thought, and theologians through the centuries have thought, what does it mean when the Bible says that God created mankind in his image? And I suspect it means a lot of different things. But one of the things I think it probably might mean as well is that not only as fallen human beings do we have a tendency to sin, but also as human beings we are capable of putting others first. And we are capable of sacrificing for others. Memorial Day is a reminder to us that this also, I think, is a very important part of that. When I think of Memorial Day, naturally I think of soldiers, and then sometimes sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guardsmen, other uniformed service people. And as you think of military personnel, Uh, We think of those who have performed acts of great heroism, and now they have been awarded medals, like the Medal of Honor has been awarded uh, several times just recently. Uh, There's a reason why so often when that medal is awarded, it is awarded posthumously, and that is because the person literally has given their life for others. But it's not true in every single case. But it's not only military personnel who are willing to step in and help others. We know stories of uh, firefighters who are ready to go into a burning building to rescue a person or a young child to bring them out and lost their life in doing that, or at least went in with great risk. We know stories of, uh, of policemen who are willing to interpose themselves to help citizens because it's their duty, because that's why they wear the uniform. We have stories of sacrifice and heroism all around us. But it's also true that you don't have to wear a uniform 
for that to be true. For there are stories that abound in families and in neighborhoods, people who do not wear any uniform at all. We saw on the television just in the last uh, day or so uh, that pool, I forget where it was, that had gotten electrocuted because of a, uh, a short circuit of some kind, children in electrical shock in it, and how that parents and a grandparent went into the pool, brave putting their own lives at risk because they needed to bring those children out before they died. There are stories of heroism that are all around us. As we celebrate Memorial Day, as we reflect upon Memorial Day, it gives us an opportunity to think of some of those things. And as Christians, it gives us an even greater reason. For you remember our Lord, as he was on his way to the cross, let his disciples understand why he was doing that. As he said to them, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. The Lord Jesus himself laid down his life for us. We can receive that in salvation, but he also calls upon us to love each other, to put into practice that display of love. Now, you may never be called upon to put your life at risk for someone else, but there are a lot of other ways that love can be communicated. We can do that by reaching out to help people in need. We need to put others first before, our, before we think of ourselves. Uh, someone tutoring a child that's going through a time of great struggle. Someone taking time to help that child or that young person. Someone seeing a person who needs clothes or a home or food, reaching out to help them. We have examples of that all around us in all of our communities. And what our Lord is saying to his disciples is that that should be characteristic of your lives. Earlier, uh, just before the Last Supper, you remember how our Lord washed the feet of his disciples? And he said that he did that as an example. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. As we put others before ourselves and reach out to them, we follow Christ. There's a brief passage in the book of Hebrews, well, the passage may not be so brief, but I will briefly look at it, in which the uh, writer of Hebrews is looking back to all of the things that he has taught. And he reminds the people that they are followers of Jesus and that they, as a result of that, that should be affecting the way that they live. And he goes on then to issue some exhortations. And the exhortations based upon who they are as Christians are essentially these. Let's make sure we draw near to God. Let's make sure we come and we are in fellowship with him and we depend upon him. Let's also make sure that we hold on to our hope, hold on to our faith, and that we live out our faith and not give up. And then he says, let's also spur one another on to love and good works, because sometimes we need some help in doing that. In Hebrews uh, uh, chapter 10, he says this, first of all, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with a full assurance of faith. It needs to come from within us, from the faith that we have, as we have trusted Christ as our Savior. And as we draw near to God, that relationship that we have with him can come and can flower, just like uh, you sang, I believe, a few minutes ago, about freedom's seeds and sorrow's sown. So the seeds in the Christian life 
were sown in the sorrow of Christ's sacrifice, but they also should bear fruit in us as we seek to live out the fruit of the Spirit. Draw near to God. But also, not just that, but also we need to hang on to our faith. We need to be solid in our hope. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, the writer says. And then the last exhortation is one that I always am a little amused at. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don mentioned that uh, my wife and I both grew up in Texas. Spurring one another on always brings to mind pictures of riders on horseback spurring on their horse to make sure the horse goes. Sometimes the writer seems to be saying we just might need a little poke in the ribs to get us to do the right thing. For we don't always do the right thing in life automatically. It'd be wonderful that were true. But we need to encourage others. And he's saying sometimes that encouragement may need to be just a little bit forceful. So now, don't go out and elbow somebody and blame it on me, please. You know, I, didn't, I didn't say to do that. But we do need to encourage one another. And hopefully that's what we are as a body of Christ. I won't take the time to develop this. But throughout the Old Testament, there are a number of pictures of who the people of Israel are, pictures that emphasize their commitment to one another and how they are a community. It's those same pictures are really quoted and, and expanded in the New Testament when the writers talk about the, the Christian church. But notice that there's one added, the one on the bottom. Not only are we the bride of Christ and we are to be his garden or vineyard, but we also constitute his body. In other words, we are so closely connected to one another that we are a part of each other. We are not in this alone in the Christian life, but rather we are connected to one another. So every Memorial Day uh, since uh, at least 1950, Congress and the President, as they've issued uh, decrees, uh, have called upon the American people to do two things. One, at 11 o'clock, stop and pray. Pray for peace. Two, three o'clock, have a moment of remembrance. Now, I have to confess to you that uh, not every Memorial Day have I automatically stopped and prayed precisely at 11 o'clock. Not every Memorial Day have I stopped precisely at 3 in the afternoon and had a moment of remembrance. But I would encourage you tomorrow, at some point, in the midst of camping, for those who are still going camping, in the midst of grilling, in the midst of eating, in the midst of being around other people, it, it would not hurt to have a time of prayer and to pray for peace for our nation and for the world. And it would not hurt to have a moment of remembrance, to think about the great price of our freedom and how that freedom is not free, but it was purchased at a great price. And while you're doing that with regards to our country and Memorial Day, it certainly would be proper, I think, also to thank God for the sacrifice of his own son and to remember that we also are to live out his life and his love in our words. So I hope that as you celebrate Memorial Day tomorrow, uh, that it will be a time of honor for you. It'll be a time of love, but also a time of courage, because sometimes we need courage to do what is right and to do what is loving. During the day sometime tomorrow, you probably will hear uh, taps being played. And I'd like to close today, uh, not by playing taps necessarily, 
but by reminding you that while there are no official words to taps, many people have stopped to pen words to taps. And maybe one of these uh, words or many others that you can find, you know, might also be, be a nice reminder. The one on the left is more of a kind of an entry level of words. Go to sleep, peaceful sleep. May the soldier or sailor God keep on the land or the deep, safe and sleep. For as we honor those who have given their lives, we honor those who are no longer with us. But the one on the right also can act as a kind of a prayer, and a prayer that I will close with this morning. Thanks and praise for our days, neath the sun, neath the stars, neath the sky. As we go, this we know, God is nigh. My friend, God is near to all of us. He is near to those who have gone before us. He is near to you today in Lansing at South Church. He is near to you as you observe Memorial Day tomorrow, and he will be with us each day of our lives. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, how we thank you that you are indeed near us, that you are indeed nigh, and that we can depend upon you. Thank you, dear Lord, for enabling us to receive the salvation from the sacrifice of our Lord. Thank you, dear Lord, for enabling us to walk in your spirit. I pray that we might keep in step with that spirit and that we might also nudge one another from time to time towards love and good works. Father, be with us and bless us today. Thank you for the sacred heritage that we have. And we do honor not only those who died in battle, but those who survived and returned and have gone to live full lives those even then who are no longer with us. But dear Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we seek to remember by serving you, we pray in Christ's name, amen.